Welcome to the fire. Welcome to the fire, boys. My name is Parker McDonald. And I'm Walter Lee, and we'll be your hosts on this episode of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. If you're a new hunter trying to learn the basics, or you're a veteran woodsman just trying to get through your workday, there's always a place at our campfire for you. Speaking of the fire, we would love it if you guys would join our growing Patreon community and be a part of the best and only digital deer camp south of Mason Dixon Line. Come on. If you'd like and learn more, click on the link in the show notes. But for now, Walt, welcome, welcome to, to the fire. fire. Welcome back to another episode of the Southern Collective Podcast. Guys, it has been a whirlwind. This season, I swear to you, I was counting down the minutes, and now I'm sitting here with one of my favorite people halfway through the month of November. For most of the people listening to this podcast, your season is at least halfway, if not like two-thirds over at this point in time. Um, But I'm going to brag for a second. Because the best, it, we're just starting to fire off down here. If, you, if you're not from the deep south, I'm sorry, but you need to consider some out-of-state tags uh, to hunt places like South Carolina and North Carolina. The rest of these states don't have any deer. Uh, but there's some fun to be had left, and so you're going to continue to hear some really good deer hunting content. So uh, tonight, we're going to kind of do something a little different. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I am joined by the slayingest of slayers here, uh, year one of SoCo, Matthew Reeves. Dude, uh, last week I had to bail on you last second, and uh, you jumped on the podcast and absolutely crushed it with Lyshan, dude. That was a great episode. Man, when you, when you have a guest um, like him, it's, it's really, really fun. And uh, you learn a lot during the process. You know, you're you're able to bounce questions off that you didn't think you were going to ask in the beginning. So it was uh, really fun and really enjoyed enjoyed doing that. I think like what you said is guests like Jacob, they make all this easy, right? You know, some some guests you you kind of have to pry for the knowledge because they're not used to talking on podcasts. But that's not the case with him. The band's well articulated. Uh, I think he's in that upper echelon of hunters who not only can get it done, um, but they can talk about it and they can articulate and they don't feel threatened by it because their methodology is one that's going to be repeatable regardless of the landscape and the amount of pressure and whatnot. So I, I, I always like hearing from people who don't have that. And you came up with this idea. Don't have that standard. I found this rub line. The trail was a cattle pasture trail. They're coming through here four times a day. And I just, I just hunted it for, you know, two days until I killed something. I mean, he's in those areas, North Carolina, some of the areas I've heard him talk about, I know those deer densities are like six deer per square mile, which is just brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it is down here. You know, I mean, where I was hunting this morning, like I didn't see a deer, but when I do see a deer, it's going to be the right deer. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that was a good one. And like you said, and we'll get into this in this podcast, um, about the, the sign in the Midwest and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the abundance of it and how that can really clutter your, your brain. And I had, I had an instance like that. And we'll, like I said, as we go, we'll, uh, get more into it. But I mean, what's, uh, you killed a doe opening weekend of fire and you just been coasting, right? Yeah, I haven't, I have hunted three days to two and a half days uh since since uh the second week of september and i've just been i've just been 
prepping, man. I've been taking care of my family and uh, getting the boat ready for our upcoming trip. We're going to be water accessing some deer out of state, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, It's going to be the first ever SoCo hunt with the four of us together. And um, just kind of biding my time, man. I got a two-year-old. My wife's in grad school. My best hunting's December and January. I'm not pushing my luck the rest of the year. This is is my first season to really under understand that and uh i could have hunted this afternoon but uh i picked my battles and uh came on home just to be here and that's gonna move forward you know if i want to go out of town on a weekend or something like that and uh older men you know they say things change as you get older and i always when i was you know, in college, I was like, man, you just, you just lazy. You don't want to do nothing yeah, anymore. No, yeah, yeah. they, they have other things to do. And, you know, I'm in that stage of life where I'm starting to see it. And, uh, yeah. you said just, you know, just wait. Cause we, we've got a little one on the way. And so it's, uh, mm-hmm. next year is going to be a, uh, a doozy. So we'll see. Well, you got to pick your battles, man. And, and, you know, it's one of those things when you start looking at like, okay, if my rut's not till December and January, how much of what I'm doing in September is going to translate to results in those months, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're basically looking at a summer pattern, right? I mean, you're hunting doe groups down here. It's not like you can sit over an ag pile and, uh, you know, just – it's just different. And so when you look at being efficient and making the most of that, man, I got a two-year-old. He's going to be two for exactly one year. Yeah. You know, he will never be two again. Age 13 to 16, is, I think, is going to feel real similar. But two is different. Three is different. They're only tiny, and the world's only special for so long. And so uh, we've been watching some football, smoking meats. I've uh, been taking them to the woods every chance I can to check, tra- check trail cameras and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm biding my time because come deer season, my wife's described it as uh, turkey season light. She said it's going to be like turkey season light. And I said, what you mean? She goes, well, you don't really care about deer quite as much as you do turkey, so you won't be foaming at the mouth. But yeah. you're going to be going every opportunity you can, aren't you? And I said, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> gotta gotta get that going for you. Man, it's Yeah, man. Everybody deals with it just in different ways. And and I'll tell you something, man. Like I'm man enough in hindsight to look back and say I neglected my marriage for a while there. Oh, yeah. Like I mean just it is it is what it is, man. Um my wife and I have worked through it and we tried all the kinds of different things, but at the end of the day, man, I feel like I can be as productive in December and January as I am September to January mm-hmm. because I do most of my killing anyways in December and January. So it's like, and it's been hot, man. It was 85 degrees last week. It's warming up here. I think we're going to get a cold front uh-huh. next week though. And that's, that's when I'm, yeah. you know, that Thanksgiving week, I, I've actually got some rut deer that will rut, um, that week. Come so. on. We'll see what uh what goes from there, but let's talk about some other rutting deer. Um, you know, Parker's Parker's living it up still. Um, you know, I'm disgusted with that fella. Who gets to live in Missouri for the month of November? Yeah, just just hang out. <laughs> just hang out. That's all he. That's all he did. Talk about neglected families, man. Jesus. <laughs> we'll just stop right <laughs> stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully Hallie doesn't nah, listen to this he, podcast. he's ready to be home i know he is yeah but yeah well let's let's do this before we we get into what we're doing tonight let's let's get some business out the way um i want to start with patreon uh, i just mailed out 50 hats 50 custom patch hats uh that that uh went all over the country i mailed out 
27 firebuck shirts. I got several orders. I got to get out uh, tomorrow as well. So um, I just want to say thanks to everybody. Actually, we're going to start real broad. I just want to say thanks to everybody. If you've ordered merchandise, that money has gone right back into a operation fund. We're trying to buy gear. We're trying to buy um, new, frankly, I'll just call it what it is. We need new editing equipment, right? We're all trying to, to get through with what we've got. Uh, but when you buy stuff like that, that money goes right back into that pool and we're pooling those funds so that we can uh, continue to bring content because it's hard when you have four guys all separated across the South, all trying to get their hunting in and their editing. And, um, you know, Matt has done a terrific job being one of our producers this fall and putting the, the polish and t- touches on the things that uh, I call a video. He'd probably call a turd. Uh, but, uh, I just want to say thanks because you guys have bought a hell of a lot of merch and it's really helping. Parker and I are going to have some conversations in the off season about <clears throat> how to invest that money back into this so you guys get the most out of it going into turkey season. Um, but another way you can help the podcast is by joining Patreon. We've got two new members we're going to shout out today, which is one of the benefits you get. Adam Glass and Jake Kushner. Uh, funny thing. Uh, well, Adam Glass is a Florida guy that moved to Oregon, but, uh, we're starting to see an uptick of like Midwest and Northern guys subscribing to Patreon. And that's really interesting to me because, uh, I think the appeal of the Southern Hunter kind of goes beyond obviously just the Southern Hunter. I think it's kind of one of those things that people kind of look at like it's, uh, the Wild West, Matt. Yeah. It's, uh, it's different for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, you know, sometimes I wonder if they're, Want to get down here to see what it's about? I don't. I don't think they. I think they like they being coming through to Florida. The lens, you know. <laughs> um, heck, we're. Yeah. You know, we're, I'm gonna be going to Florida this year. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Hadn't hunted there in a while, but no, it's it's cool to see. You know, guys kind of get that different perspective because there's so many different quote unquote hunting cultures um, across mm-hmm. the United States. You know, like you said, we got a guy in Oregon. You know, he he has some really stuff cool stuff going on up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just to build the community we have, you know, it's not really, you know, if you, if you're coming to look for, you know, quality deer content, we've got it, but we've also mm-hmm. got a community of guys that support each other that are all like-minded. And uh, it's, it's kind of like I say, like if you go to a wedding and you're a diehard deer hunter, how many of those are you going to run into? Probably not a lot, but if you find that one, that's the person you're going to mm-hmm. stick to the whole time and talk to. So that's just imagine a wedding full of guys who uh, love to talk deer hunting and you, you have unlimited access to them. And that's, that's what's awesome from my perspective. Yeah. And and it bears out, it bears out um, in times of crisis. And like, I know that sounds really weird. So I'm going to try and like put that into better terms, but like when you've shot a deer and you haven't found it, and you're starting to hit that point of, I don't know what to do. And there's that uncertainty, that crisis, Matt, we see it in discord like three or four times. And, and, and polo, it feels like a week where somebody shoots a deer. This is the blood. This is the scenario. What's going on. And instead of trying to make that decision with an adrenaline rush or post adrenaline rush or sleep deprived because it's the rut or any of that stuff, you've just got a group of guys whose only goal is to give you the best information to, to, to find that deer. And on several occasions, the deer have been found on several occasions, uh, we've had trackers, blood trackers with dog trackers come on and be like, Hey, that is a fill in the blank. And you're probably not going to find it because of whatever uh, reason. And so I'm going to be honest with you. That's my ace up the sleeve. When something goes South hitting that Patreon group and be like, Hey guys, cause I've made some really knuckleheaded uh, mistakes uh, kind of along the way, but it's awesome, man. And one of the other things we do 
along the way of, um, whoa, my screen just did something weird. Along the way of saying thanks to the Patreon members, free hats. If you're in the $10 tier, you get a free hat. And uh, if you are so lucky, we do all kinds of giveaways. We're giving a carbon fiber plat- predator platform away. Uh, on this episode, we're going to be announcing a join or die knife giveaway that is like two weeks past due, but circumstances be it as they are. This is the first time we've sat down as a group to talk about it. Uh, the winner, by the way, is Kyle Huffstutler. Congratulations, buddy. Yep. Huff. Heck yeah. I need to overnight that thing to him so he can clean that big buck he's been chasing with that joiner die knife. I think he's going to get him soon. I think he's going to get him in the morning. It's going to be too late. Yeah. So congratulations, Huff. You've got a custom. And when I mean custom, I mean this thing top to bottom, laser engraved with the Soko night with the Soko logo and a waterproof box with a fire striker and the snake oil to, to take care of the handle and everything. Uh, that's headed your way, buddy. Just wanted to say thanks for everything that you're doing. Huff Huff puts a hell of a lot of information from a woodsmanship perspective into those groups. And so uh, couldn't think of a better person. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Kyle went to school together. So yeah. Uh, well, I haven't seen him. Well, I think I've seen him once since we graduated. So it was, you know, him joining Patreon and, and being part of that. That's always like hearing what he has to say. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have cool deer hunting friends like that in uh, college. I had drinking buddies. Well, that, so. that's why I majored in forestry. <laughs> okay. You know what? That's fair. I, I majored in accounting, <laughs> so there's not a whole lot of crossover there. <laughs> you drink beer and watch football. Yeah, man. Well, so let's talk about a couple other things pretty quick. So uh, obviously, join or die knives. Use the promo code SOCOHUNT. Get 10% off an order. That way they know we're sending you to them. It's Christmas season, guys. Jump on there. Get a knife. Send your wife a link. Get you a custom knife. But Matt, you got a brand new toy. A brand spanking new toy. I did. Um, tell, tell me about it and tell everybody why, you, why you're in love with it. Um, which one? The one couple... A week ago or the one today? No. The one today. The one today. Oh, I got the lockdown saddle um, from Tethered. <laughs> and we, the first time I saw it was at the show. Um, if y'all came by the show, saw us, saw the saddle, I was probably sitting in the saddle because um, I liked it that much. Um, so I, I got it. And the different, I mean, those pockets, Walt, I mean, dude, I with everything being so close to me and like actually on my sides and not on my backside, um, that was, that's huge for me. I'm able to take a couple more things out of my pack to where it's yep. easier to access and, you know, getting up the trees just a little bit easier. Um, but the comfort level, um, it's a sleeper on the comfort. I mean, you know, I, I, this year I really dialed my phantom in to where I was, you know, great long sets, everything, no issues, no mm-hmm. hip pinch, wonderful. But Sitting in that lockdown, it's just that extra like getting a recliner in the stand. Like you can go from mm-hmm. leaning to sitting, and it's like I've said it, you know, thousand times. It leans like a phantom, sits like a lawn chair, and that is the truth. Um, and then the yoke, I'm getting that figured out, you know, dialed in. But uh, all the little pocket, you know, the pockets on the side. I don't know what the technical term of them is, but um, they've got pockets on pockets. And that was big for me because it's the zippers are very easy to unzip. Uh, you don't find that very often. Most of the times it's you're, you're in a battle fighting something. Um, so really impressed with it. I'm probably going to go, you know, it 
I'm dying to go hunt in it. So I'm going to make something happen hopefully this week to where I can get out and just, I sat in the, I sat in it this afternoon actually. And I just, uh, kicked back and enjoyed myself. Lockdown haulers. Lockdown haulers. <laughs> they, they got really, they got really that's, original with that, but that's very specific. I, I think I, I, I'm with you. You know, they're limiting in the sense that you can't move them, right? They're stitched in, mm-hmm. but they're positioned in a way where <clears throat> in the dark, like I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a very flexible guy. Like my wife makes fun of me because I'm probably going to be that crippled old guy. That's like hunched over because I can't like touch my toes or nothing. I'm working on it guys. Yoga. It's a thing, but it used to be like, I'd go like, even with the pouch on the side, like to get into it. I felt like my back was cramping sometimes. Like, I know that's embarrassing to say, but like my shoulder blades it would cramp as I'm trying to like stuff the stuff, the, uh, the stuff back down into them. But with like one finger, they pop open and they don't like fall over the way that they're designed like they, they stay they just like pop open dude that thing is wicked it's, uh, it is wicked i fought with my matt's matt's judging me for for, for having shoulder cramps trying no, to put rope back in my, my pouches my back <laughs> kills me i mean <laughs> yeah if i bend over wrong my back <laughs> back will catch you know um <laughs> yeah. but no it's it's outstanding. If you, if you haven't been in one, yeah. I know, you know, we were talking about it in Polo a little bit earlier. Um, it's worth the investment. Um, you know, I can, I can say that truthfully cause I have invested in them and they are, they're the saddle man for, for me, yeah. you know, and it's just what I like using. Well, dude, we're going to, we're going to approach one of your recent hunts, um, with a different, Again, this is Matt's idea, but we're going to approach it uh, from a different light. We're not going to really tell the story here because you're going to get to hear about it on a podcast with his journal. You're going to get to see it on video. Um, Matt's going to break down. Well, I guess we're going to break down. I actually haven't heard a lot of this, so I'm going to be kind of asking questions from like a, a listener perspective in this regard. Kind of what went down into this because, Matt, you went to a piece of property you'd never been to before, correct? That's right. And you had how long to hunt? Uh, I had four days. Yeah, not a hell of a lot of time to break down a piece of property you've never been to before. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a treat. Um, we when I and when I say we, I'm referring to my good buddy, and he's also a Patreon member, Andrew Lang. Um, we try to do a rut hunt every year. He goes to Kentucky with me early season, and you know, I I tagged out early this year, fortunately, and um. Decent deer. I didn't. Ha- I didn't have a tag in Kentucky, and that's usually where we go for the rut hunt. So I, I decided to hunt Tennessee, and he, he ended up tagging along with me. And the property we went to, like I said, never, never scouted it, nothing like that. Just looked at it on a map, hoping you know we, nobody would be sitting in the areas that we wanted to go to. Because I mean, mm-hmm. it was a uh, a muzzleloader hunt, and so you know, first weekend in November, muzzleloader hunt. That's pretty, you know pretty popular mm-hmm. um people are going to flood the woods so going into it we just kind of tried to have an open mind about it you know hey this is kind of a one it was just like a kind of a bonus for me i didn't even expect to go on this hunt and really want andrew to kill you know a, a big deer and he got in him and that's you know i'll i'm going to refer to him a lot because he was in the deer um he killed a really nice buck while we were there um and saw a lot of others but man going to a new place and not getting so consumed with all the sign you see Mm -hmm. that's my biggest flaw um with hunting anywhere you know whether it be alabama but mainly kentucky or tennessee i'm looking for scrapes and rubs 
everybody wants to see scrapes and rubs. You don't have to hunt over scrapes and rubs when they're chasing. And that got me in trouble. I, I had two sits where I just was like, I'm just climbing a tree. Like, I don't feel good about anything. And I climbed in dumb spots and I didn't see any deer. Mm-hmm. Um, but learned from that as we went. And uh, all in all, ended up having a successful trip, uh, which we'll get into the details of that more. But, you know, the main, the main thing you know, that I, I want to look at, and we kind of talked about it last week with Jake, is going to new properties and being able to capitalize quick and move on the right things um, to find the things that the deer want, which the deer want in does when we were there. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. what they were wanting. Um, so my my first sit, I, I mean, you look at these regions. So Tennessee, it's heavily hardwoods and rolling terrain that's mainly what it is you don't find very many pine thickets there are some throughout the state but you don't find like the thicket you know from a from a map standpoint so i was able this piece of property had some timber cuts on it um and they were probably 10 year old timber cuts but they what they did is they just went in and did a understory release so an understory release is when a timber company or a logger comes in and cuts mainly all the small diameter trees. They'll go in and take some of the um, higher value hardwoods uh, for logs like white oak, walnut, stuff like that. And what that does is that opens that forest floor up to then be able to grow new vegetation um, and prevent, er, er, not prevent, and create a... Um, Thicket, basically. So, mm-hmm. first thing we, first morning, we got in there, walking in blind. Um, I, I was actually te- texting y'all. I got up in the stand, and I was like, man, I just scouted this area, and I didn't, I found like two rubs, and you were like, are you scouting in the dark? And I, and I was. <laughs> um, I was yeah. just walking around trying to find where a high spot was, where some scrapes would be, where some rubs would be, and you know, ended up finding that that first morning and I ended up seeing six bucks and like four does. Um, mm-hmm. no, no legal bucks. Um, I was actually hunting in a draw between two of these thickets and these deer were just popping out. And I had a buck grunting, chasing the doe and one of the thickets couldn't see him, but that's where the deer wanted to be. Um, Andrew saw a really big eight point that morning, a smaller eight point. So, First morning, we were fortunate enough to locate where these deer wanted to be. Um, and we were like, okay, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a great start. Let's, let's duplicate this. Let's, let's, you know, make it happen. So that afternoon, we ended up going to the same area. And like I was telling you, I like to, I want to find a scrape or a rub to, to sit on just for my own personal, you know, like, make me feel good, I guess, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I walked and I walked and I didn't find nothing. Well, then I find a scrape. I walk up to the scrape, a buck gets up out of his bed and runs off. And I'm like, well, shoot, you know, that that is, you know, forget this area, you know, thinking, oh, that's <laughs> the only buck in the area, you know, like, like an idiot. <laughs> but uh, I ended up getting frustrated, went back over to an ag field and climbed up a tree and I was sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, no deer, no deer, no deer, where my phone rings. 
and it's Andrew. So I answer the I answer him like hello, and I'm like he shot one. So he goes, I just shot a really big buck. I'm like awesome. He goes, but I think I hit it high. I was like, ah, maybe you got he was close twelve yards. Maybe you you know got it long. Mm-hmm. Well, I climbed down, and where I walked in the woods to and jump that buck there's three bucks standing in the edge of the field and i'm like why you know no no rhyme or reason why they walked there was no major trail nothing like that Mm -hmm. um they were just came out and that's you know you can find rut funnels um and that's that's something that i'm like don't get too caught up during the rut that you're either not on really fresh sign because most of the time they're done laying sign when they're rutting. Um, they'll, they'll rub trees, you know, if you, if you find a good rub, but like scrapes and stuff, they pretty much leave them. Um, so don't get jumbled up in all the old sign, which that's what I was doing. I was scatterbrained. But anyways, we went to uh, where Andrew shot this buck and I start walking in there and it is thick. I mean, I've, I took my backpack off, but I'm hitting little saplings just walking through open woods because this is old timber cut. And uh, we get in there, end up, he hit it high, couldn't find his arrow, didn't find any blood, ended up not finding a deer, did a grid search the next day, deer still alive, running around, uh, waiting mm-hmm. to see, you know, if somebody shoot it and say, hey, who was shooting yada, yada, yada arrow? Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's this buck. But, um... What was that? That was that evening. The next morning, that's when I was nighttime scouting. <laughs> it that early morning, I got hot and ended up seeing one really nice shooter uh, across the creek. I thought I made my back, you know, threw my back out crossing that creek because I had to climb an embankment. And I don't know if you've ever crossed those creeks, like in the west, like they're not like back home where it's just like a little two foot like they're like gorgeous man like you you got to get down there and get and get up <laughs> um so it's it's something else but saw that deer and then i went and hunted the next afternoon and i found a pinch what i would think was a, a rut pinch you know where the there's two bedding areas deer would walk right down them looks great mm-hmm. so i'm walking in there rub 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 i'm like i'm on the sign well, I find a rub on a cedar tree that's like the size of my leg. And I'm like, man, I got to climb right here. Well, I get to looking at it and I caught something, caught my eye behind it. I said, no freaking way. And there was a shed. And I love, I love finding sheds. Well, I start walking up to it and it was a match set. Um, so it was pretty cool to find the match set. I didn't set. realize yeah, that. Yeah, it was a match set. So. Oh, man. It was a, it was a good one. I think it was last year's. They'd been eating on a little bit. Yeah. Excuse me, but not too bad. But ended up hunting that afternoon and I saw a doe and a spike. And I was about to kill an armadillo because it drove me insane. Um, <laughs> it was just doing that light walking. You know, it sounded just like a buck mm-hmm. behind me. And mm-hmm. I had a cedar, another cedar tree behind me, kind of for back cover. And uh, it did it. But. But I mean, here here's a prime example. Like I'm talking about, I'm talk like I'm gonna keep hitting on this sign thing. Like I I found the rubs. I found what I thought was a pinch. You would think out of this place, some six point or some little scraggly deer besides a spike would have come through there. They just didn't didn't show. So like it's don't put much 
I wouldn't say don't put much thought into a rut hunt because you can put some thought into it, but don't overthink. And I was overthinking. Um, were the were the scrapes fresh? Like, had they been open, or was there leaf litter starting to show up? Some some had been pawed in a little bit, and you know, yeah. down here we haven't been getting much rain, so everything's yeah. so dry. But up there, it had rained like the day before, so they were opening these scrapes. You know. The ones they that were the desirable scrapes, like main scrapes, mm-hmm. they were hitting mm-hmm. those. But like those random ones you find in the woods, they weren't they weren't hitting. Mm-hmm. But I ended up hunting a different area from Andrew. Andrew stayed in that um, that thick stuff, which I should have been in the thick stuff too. Um, he ended up seeing like nine bucks that afternoon and two shooters. Like it was stupid, but Jesus. it was so thick, like. It was if you were bow hunting, it was hard to get a shot with a bow. And then if you were hunting with a shotgun or or a muzzle loader, you know, it was hard to get a shot in that because they were so close and by the time they were on you, they were almost seeing you. Mm-hmm. Um so mm-hmm. it was real tough in that. But where am I? So that was that afternoon. The next morning I, I went in with him. Uh we were gonna double team the area where he saw all those bucks and I ended up seeing a spike in the doe. They came in first thing that morning. And then I'm, I think I got it on video. I'm like doing an interview and I hear somebody shooting. It sounds like it's right in front of me. You know how, you know, muzzle brakes will echo. I'm like, okay, that sounds like Andrew. Well, it ended up not being Andrew. It was a guy in front of him. So I'm sitting there again, talking to the camera and another shot goes off. And I'm like, oh, somebody, somebody snuck in in front of me, you know, whatever. Well, it ended up being Andrew. And I heard the deer come. He came within like 150 yards of me, crashed, piled up, all awesome stuff. I ended up not seeing any deer that morning. So we ended up getting his buck out. He shot a nice eight point. Um, I've never seen a deer that was shot with a shotgun in in all all my years of hunting. I've never seen a deer that was shot with a shotgun. It's gruesome. It's uh, the slug gun will put a hole through one real quick. Um. <laughs> so it was good my buddy my buddy calls it the 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 uh rebar rebar slinging or the god he's i just killed it but he's rebar a bar or something like that it's the bar rebar but basically he's just his whole philosophy is it's just a chunk of freaking hate flying at 2100 feet per second yeah no no logistics to it but i mean it's just devastating coming just big piece of metal Mm -hmm. um or lead i don't know why i said metal but um so my plan of what I was doing was not working for me. Um, I was pretty frustrated with what, what my results were. Um, and it just, it just was tough that morning. So I ended up swapping areas. Um, I talked to a guy, there were some, there were some fields there, like some cut over kind of areas. And he had, he had sat in them and he, uh, he had shot a couple big deer, out there and he had like a 130 inch 10 point that he let walk um and what yeah yeah it was stupid and so i got talking to him he was like okay this is the kind of stuff like that i'm hunting so i i scrapped everything i had found and was like i'm just gonna go try this because he'd been doing it for years um basically hunting cut up grown up cutovers with with heavy trails in them Mm-hmm. I hate hunting like that. I I just <laughs> I like to be in the woods. I like to hear them. Like I like to mm-hmm. be where I feel like they're living. Well, I got in there that afternoon. Wind was good, and I sat and I sat and I I was not confident. I was like, 
this just is not going to happen. There was no, there's no rubs, there's no scrapes, n- no sign. There's one trail right here. Like, okay. So I sit and this was daylight savings time. Curse daylight mm-hmm. savings time. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know why we do this crap it, every year. I don't either, man. It's it's awful. But I'm sitting there. It's like four thirty, and I see my first deer. I see eight point. He like is walking through this thick stuff. I can barely see the top of his rack. I'm trying to get my gun. Mm-hmm. He goes over the hill. Don't see him. I'm sitting there, and I've never shot a deer with a muzzleloader. So like. My father-in-law let me borrow, borrow his muzzleloader, and I was like, if it's a legal deer, I'm going to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And so, sitting there, and I'm like, well, I saw one deer. You know, that may be the only deer I see. And I hear something coming from where I parked from my truck. Like, this this just goes to show you how stupid the rut can be, you, you know, whether it's Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. It's just how stupid it can be. Here comes a doe walking straight from my truck. I'm like, okay. Well, she she looks like she's out of breath, got that sunk-in face. I'm like, okay, she's hot. Like, there's going to be a buck behind her. So I get my gun ready. Sure enough, here comes a, a seven-point. He's outside the ears. I'm like, okay, that's a pretty good deer. You know, I'm, I'm going to try to shoot him. He comes to 10 yards. I'm hunting up the edge of it, the timber edge. He comes to 10 yards and then hits the same trail she hit. And the trail she hit was walking directly away from me. So I've got him on camera. Like, everything's to a T. Like, I just got to stop him and shoot him. Well, he turns broadside, and I, get, you know, did the old man. And he did, he walked two more steps, turned away from me, and turned around and looked. And then he was he was gone. He was with her. So I'm like, well, there, you know, it's almost dark. I got, like, 30 minutes left. Like, there went my shot. So... He runs into the other block of woods and a, somebody shoots. And I'm like, huh, some, you know, somebody got him. Mm-hmm. Well, I look out in the field and there were two, three does standing there and they just stopped. And I'm like, okay, they heard the gunshot. Like they're not, my hunt's screwed from now on. Well, they finally kind of start calming down and I see a doe out in the field and it's the doe he was chasing. So I'm like, okay, he's not going to be behind her. He got shot, you know, whatever. Well, here she comes walking straight to my tree. She's at 20 yards. Well, then he pops out on the other side at like 100 yards. I'm like, okay. So he starts doing, you know, just beeline right to me. Well, he starts kind of walking broadside. I'm like, he's he's walking close to me. Like, I'm going to let him get as close as he wants to because I'm shooting with a muzzleloader that I think is still on. You know, muzzleloaders can, mm-hmm. they have a mind of their own. And so he gets out to about 70 yards and... I stopped him and he was quartering to me a little ways and I put it right in front of his shoulder and hit him in his chest, came out on his back rib and he ran 60 yards and piled up. And well, what's funny is when I was tracking him, like I found blood, 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 blood. And then it just like went away. And I'm like, where's this deer at? So I started like grid searching like out from it. And I was like, I'm just going to go back to first blood and uh, go from there. Well, I get to first blood and I'm looking around, and he's five yards from me, just laying there. Like, I walk, I walked right past him, just like, you know how in the dark your headlamp can make you, like, yeah. so tunnel vision? Yeah. And yeah. I just walked, yeah. I just walked right past him. But all in all, with that hunt, that just goes to show you, like, 
even in the rut, it doesn't matter how much thought you put in, put into it. Mm-hmm. Like you never know what's going to happen. You could be in a spot that you mm-hmm. don't think is going to produce and Hey, you end up killing a buck. You end up killing the big, biggest buck of your life. Perhaps um, there's always opportunities for that. And that's, that's the thing. Like if your season's going bad, like we've, we've had some guys who are struggling with their season, you know, and I've had years where I struggle in my season. All it takes is five seconds for it to change. You know, you, you can go from having the worst season of your life to the best season of your life. Um, so that's uh that's the rut for you. And whether you are a rut hunter, um, like Walt, we were talking, you, you'd like to shoot a lot of your deer in December because that's really when they're they're moving around. Um, that's when your yep. odds are are going to be, you know, the highest. You they're laying down sign, they're moving more. Um, mm-hmm. all this great stuff, but at the end of the day, you could just set up somewhere random during the rut and look up and kill a buck just because they're looking for does, especially if you're around a doe group. And that that area that I was in uh, was a doe bedding area, and that's mm-hmm. that's what that buck came in looking for. I really wish I would have had a chance to hunt it in the morning because that's when I think it was really, really hot. I think in the evenings, you know, it kind of cools down a little bit for ruts. I mean, on a rut hunting, do you see more movement in the mornings or evenings typically? God, that's a great question. I don't know that I have an answer for you, but I can tell you I, the biggest deer I saw last year was in the evening. Yeah. Biggest deer I saw last year was in the evening, but I mean, I'm that spot. I'm in the bedding area. Right. Like there are two little knobs a hundred yards apart and I'm sitting in the bot in the bowl between the two that connects them to the, to the little like thermal hub for like mm-hmm. better words. So I don't know if that's like a great example. It's kind of like a one-off, um, probably mornings. Yeah. I, I, probably mornings. I think, I don't, I don't know if it's a thing from, you know, since it's been night <clears throat> and they're just trying to get back to yeah. bed and they end up getting distracted, you know, out they're out on mm-hmm. the streets at night and get distracted and, they're out till the sun comes up kind of thing. That's um, right. But I just, I just think mornings are your best, um, best times for, for rut. Um, but when I, when I got down, I had to drag, I drove the deer out and all that stuff. And there were trails everywhere. Trails I couldn't see. Um, you know, no, no, no scrapes and rubs in there, but there's trails everywhere. And that's just where the does were mm-hmm. wanting to be. So I got too hung up in, hunting sign rather than just hunting the mm-hmm. doe groups. And it, I do it every year mm-hmm. because who doesn't like seeing a scrape and sitting over it and hoping the deer comes yeah. and works it and you kill it that way. But it it doesn't work like that most of the time. Well, I think, you know, Brett and I were talking about something the other day and I may have had like my own epiphany of sorts that I'll just share because it might be relevant to this conversation. You tell me uh, if it is, but you know, I was talking to him and I said, you know, I don't feel confident with deer. Like I have a couple spots. I feel confident about the spot, but like, if you tell me, uh, Walter, you got seven days to kill a deer. Can you do it? I don't have that same confidence I have during Turkey season. During Turkey season, you give me seven days to hunt a spot. I'm going to pull the trigger one time. Yeah. I might miss, but I'm going to pull that trigger. Right. <clears throat> and I told Brett, and it's funny how sometimes you can like say things and like answer your own questions. I said, I feel like with turkeys, I listen to the turkey and I just know what I need to do. And I said, but with deer hunting, it's like I can never quit arguing 
with the sign I'm being given, yeah. like the indications that I'm being given. And I, <clears throat> I was going to bring this up the next round table we had, because I feel like it's something we should talk about. But I think a lot of times with deer hunting, it's all, you know, they don't talk to you verbally. So it's a lot of interpreting like laid sign. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think you can argue with a deer sometimes. And like when you were talking about your spots, if the scrapes aren't, aren't fresh and, and, and the, the, and, and it doesn't seem like they're getting hit. I, Maybe that's the time to ignore them like you're talking about. Find you a good old pinch point that's just a high a high volume area and sit that joker. It probably won't work in December. Yeah. But you know. Yeah, that place will be totally different, you know, once once this rut's over and I know like here in Alabama I've got a I've got a buddy of mine who has some private property and he's put cameras out in corn piles and all he's getting is does. And if you're listening mm-hmm. to this, this may be your same situation. All he's getting is does. And he's like, why am I just getting does? I'm like, because when the rut comes, you're going to have like 10 bucks show up on that camera in one night mm-hmm. because they're out looking. I said, don't give up on the place. Just give it some time. And I, I had a spot where a deer would try. He tripped for two which he may have done this longer, but I had two years of data on him moving from a neighboring property two miles away, which two miles to deer is mm-hmm. not that far. He moved two miles the night of Christmas, and he was on my property until the season ended. Mm-hmm. Then he'd go back, and then he'd do it again. He'd summer over there, and then he'd come back with a rut. And it's just, it's amazing what the what the rut does with deer. You, you get deer you've never seen before, um, mm-hmm. and you get to see action like you've never seen before. And man, it is fun. And that's you know. If you if you've got time, it's always fun to go out of state and to to see, you know, what deer do. I, I was talking to somebody, and I was, uh, actually tonight at dinner, a guy hunts hunts Illinois. He was like, "Man, it's just hard for me to hunt around here, around home, because of how the deer act up there." And I got to thinking about, it, I'm like, with our, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to do this or nothing, but like with our schedules and pr- prioritizing things in our life, like, hey, give me four good trips a year to to hunt you know mm-hmm. balls out on really mm-hmm. good deer hunting and then let the chips fall where they may and more, that's right. more than likely you're gonna get a shot at a big deer if you execute that's on you um yeah. so just some i mean that's, that, that's that's what that's what i did last year had one of my best years to date i did i did one four-day hunt a month yeah every month of the season and, and and what what I was trying to test there was if I give myself four days, does that give me enough time to find the deer and then kind of hone in on the pattern? And it was, dude, it was like day one, you know, depending on if you had familiarity with the area, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you were a little faster, but it was like brief sightings, a few more sightings, a lot of sightings, very last hunt, shoot a deer, brief sightings, more. It was very, la- it, it was just, it was just interesting because I think you can. I, okay, let me just ask you the question directly. Do you wish you'd done more scouting on the front end of that, given that it was new? Do you feel like if you'd scouted more, you may have not argued with the sign you were looking for quite as much? Or do you think that that was just the mindset you took into at that time? That was the mindset I took. And uh, because... What would it take for you to be more agile mentally in the future? From my mistake. This hunt? You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's that's two years in a row that I've done this. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a chance at a buck last year. Um, by hunting an area that was kind of a pinch point with scrapes. You know, I talk about scrapes a lot on podcasts because that they've always intrigued me because it's like, hey, a, a buck was right here at some time laying down sign like, hey, he might be back. Well, he's not going to be back probably when you're there. 
there's a good chance <laughs> if you find the right scrape. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I'm, I've got a scrape. I think I can do that on this year. I found a car yes, hood scrape on some public, mm-hmm. and I don't have a camera on it. My dang camera's not messed up. That's on it. So that's that's frustrating. <laughs> I had a guy. I had a guy give me some trail cameras, and I should have checked them before uh-huh. I put them out. And the thing died back in August. Oh my! And so I just haven't haven't been back in there. Yeah. But nah, man, that's. You know that that was a fun hunt. I enjoyed going going on it. Um, slept in my truck one night. That was miserable. Um, <laughs> I just I, I guess I can't do it. You know that's kind of what we were talking about on the you know camping stuff. Yeah. You just uh, if you got to do it, you do it. You enjoy it, and you come yeah. home with a buck. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I can I can easily sleep in my car for a couple of days. I, I really can't. Like, I'm not saying I want to do it forever, but I can put the seat back. I can get my feet ho- locked up. But the key is, the caveat to that, the trick, Matt, is you just have to go so hard during the day that it doesn't matter where you lay your head, you'll go to sleep. Because That's right. <laughs> That's right. When we went to Tennessee, uh, I slept on a in a tent the first, like, day. First night or second night, maybe both, I don't know. And then by day three, we were sleeping in the car. I was so daggum tired. I laid my head back, and I woke up, and the alarm was going off, man. My my feet were numb from being up against up. the windshield and everything. No. Mm. You put your feet up against the windshield? Dude, I rented this tiny little Jeep Compass <laughs> because – do, do you remember? Because my radiator blew Yeah, up. that was when your car trouble. Yep, my radiator blew out in the Xterra, and so I had to either cancel the trip or get the Jeep Compass. And the Jeep Compass, its fuel savings compared to the Xterra, paid like it was a wash what I was going to pay in gas. Um, but the, but dude, I'm sitting there like this, like with my feet like up on the, like the windshield, <laughs> and uh, it got down to like 40 degrees, and so like I just like seeped heat from my toes and so like at like 3 45 in the morning my alarm goes off and my feet are just numb just numb and i'm like dude i have frostbite like am i gonna die i had all these like moments of like panic turned on the daggum heated floors and that jeep compass put my feet down there shoo in business dude but i mean it's uh it's gonna be fun because first week of december we're all gonna be primitive camping i'm ready yeah, me too. Because I think if we have some decent weather, I think where we're going, which is going to remain a top secret, we're going uh, to a top Iowa. secret, Iowa. I thought it was Indiana. But anyways, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll nail it down. Oh yeah, you haven't put in for your points yet. I haven't put in my points. Yes, it. <laughs> I forgot that this year. But uh, yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'm really looking forward to. It. And what I'm really looking forward to is is hunting a terrain type I'm not used to. Yeah, hill country. You know, with some topography, it's funny because every time I go to North Georgia, which I don't really consider like mountains, like it is mountains, but it's not like North Carolina, Pisgah National Forest, it's low elevation stuff. The moment you put topography on the landscape, I can find deer. Like I just, I find deer and find deer and find deer. And it's just just the features narrow down what they do. I'm not saying I'd kill big deer, but um, two of the biggest deer I've ever shot at and missed were in North Georgia in the mountains. Yeah. Terrain features are fun, man. Dude, Flatland they're tough. a blessing. It sucks. It sucks, but it is what it is, man. Well, listen, I am glad you had a good time in Tennessee. You, you've you've shot a buck in Kentucky. You shot a buck in Tennessee. You're due one for Alabama. 
maybe you can get one on our on our out of state trip as well. We'll see. It's been It'll be fun a lot of fun, and then Florida or Flo- Florida, as you would call yeah, it, Florida, Florida. <laughs> I just got to say Florida every time I think about it. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you know? Okay, totally off subject. Do you know the rapper T Pain? Yeah. You you know he's from Tallahassee. That's where the T and T Pain comes. Really? From. Didn't know that. Hmm. Just found that out today on the way home. Yeah, a little random useless fact nobody wanted to know on this podcast. I'm but T Pain, you've no yeah, me. it's gonna be interesting, man. I'm really looking forward to hunt with you in December. I'm looking forward to hunt with you in January. Honest to God, I want to get on that. You gonna bring your daddy's or your yeah, your, your father in law's uh, muzzle loader? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited for you to see some of these areas because there's an area that Parker and Brett deer uh, turkey hunted that is loaded with deer. And I think I'm on the cusp of figuring it out, but I'd love to take you back in there midday and just show you some of that areas. We'll walk it. Maybe we might just water access it uh, and hunt it one day. We'll make the most of it, man. Yeah, buddy. All right, dude. Well, let's put a pin in this. I need to edit it and get it out. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Do you have any closing thoughts? Did I cut you off with something left to say? That's good. Just, uh, if I can say one thing is don't get caught up in all of the sign. No matter where you are, just hunt where you feel like you got to hunt. Usually your feet are going to lead you to where the deer are. And that's what I did when, from when I was younger. I, I didn't know anything about topography, thermals, saddles, anything like that. I just walked till I thought it was a good spot. Trust your feet, trust your instinct, and get out there and hunt. I love it, man. Well, with that, I'm going to bid you adieu. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, definitely check out the merchandise shop. we got a bunch of stuff on there. You can still order stuff in time for, for Christmas presents for everybody. We might have a special coming along that way. And I'm going to just leave you with this. We're in negotiations with another company to do consistent giveaways throughout the throughout the year. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Uh, you've heard us talk about them before. And uh, we'll leave you with that tidbit. So until next time, y'all get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. <laughs>